Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in His gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Well, good morning. Uh, so exciting to see uh, you this morning as we close out our time in the book of Revelation. I pray that, or we pray as a team, that the past few weeks, few months in this book has been encouraging. I know for some, uh, reading through this book, it was the first time going through it. Um, for some, uh, it's been just, just filled with great um, encouragement as it relates to Jesus and the revelation of him. But this morning, we come to the end of our series. Uh, if you've been following along with us in the daily, uh, Luke Harbaugh had the opportunity to close out our series, and today we come together as a church family uh, to end our series. And next week, we'll give a little more information at the end of the gathering. We'll begin our Advent series as we look to uh, the promises mentioned in Scripture of <coughs> Christ. But we're reaching the end, if you will, of the book of Revelation, the book of the Revelation. And, and in this ending, if you paid attention, what it says uh, there are new heavens. I ask a question. Why does John see a new heaven and a new earth, yet he describes a garden-like city in the shape of a temple? I mean, if you want to talk about the new heavens and the new earth, why not talk about the many forests? Talk about the rivers, the mountains. Talk about the cities. Talk about the streets. Talk about what's going on in this bigger scope of the new heavens and new earth. And Joy mentioned the question is not what is heaven going to be like? If you remember last week, Joy talked about the question. I think we often ask, what is heaven going to be like? That is the wrong to ask. I think the appropriate question is, what will heaven on earth be like? And as we read and come bring to a conclusion uh, this phenomenal book, the canon of the scripture in Revelation chapter 22. Here's what I want to leave you. Forget everything I say. Remember this. The book of Revelation, the main message or one of the messages is this, that in Jesus, we can trust God's story by looking to the future joy that is to come. I'll say that again. We, in the book of Revelation, as we bring this series to, the, to a close, we can trust what God is doing. In other words, as you're navigating life, as you're going through the ups and downs, the ebb and flow, and I say to you, you can trust what God is doing as you look to the future joy. Revelation chapter 22, I'm going to start at the end of chapter 21, and I'll take us to Revelation 22, 5 as we close out this series. I'll put my keys there because uh, I want to make sure I can find my handkerchief. Revelation chapter 21, beginning at verse 22. It's on the screen behind Open up with me. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles throughout the space. Take one. It is our gift to you. <clears throat> it reads as follows. John says this, I did not see a temple in it because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. Glory of God illuminates it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day because it will never be night there. They will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those 
written in the Lamb's Book of Life, chapter 22. Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any cursed. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. Verse 4, they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Friends, this is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the incredible joy, the pictures painted here of what is to come. And so, Lord, as we uh, look at scriptures, point us to Jesus, and may we find life. I pray this in his name. <coughs> Amen. As we come to a close, I was reading this and thinking, um, it is common in places or for people to have a, a landmark or things that identify or define that people or region. As an example, if you go to Arizona, what's the big thing in Arizona? The Grand Canyon. If you go to uh, D.C., what's the thing in D.C. that says, I'm in D.C., among many things, the tallest, one of the tallest things, Washington Monument. I was shocked to find out in Chicago, the tall building, I thought it was called what? Apparently they changed the name. So what is it now? So we know that there are people that just coming back. I was thinking about even the Ghanaian people where, uh, for example, the Ashanti tribe, they have a golden stool, and that stool is the powerhouse of that tribe. You take that stool, and you're taking power from those people. Well, for Israel, the landmark, the very thing that was an identifier for the people of God was the temple. And why the temple? I believe in Psalm 78, verse 69, we get insight into why the temple was such a significant item for the people or significant place for the people of Israel. <clears throat> Psalm 78, verse 69, it says these words, he sanctuary like the high heavens. In other words, the temple gave us insight into what the heavens were like. It was on earth as it is in heaven. We've heard those words before from Jesus, on earth as it is in heaven. And the temple gave picture to what was taking place in the heavens. Before the temple was the tabernacle, and the tabernacle was the holy of holies. And in the holy of holies, it was heaven on earth. It was a sacred space. And before, uh, before the tabernacle, it was the Garden of Eden. You see, this was always the plan of God, a place where heaven and earth met. It was sacred space. This is the place where God and man would meet. And so John is offering us a vision of splendor. Instead of finding splendor in Babylon, in that city, he shows us the new Jerusalem. He's offering another place of belonging, another place to call home. As we are traversing life and we're letting go of things to follow after Christ, the question that Revelation asks is, what will be your home? And so John paints a picture of future joy and says, you can trust God's story. Things will end up as they have been spoken of before. 
So we begin to think, what will life look like in the new heavens and the new earth? The scriptures say things will end up as have been spoken of before. It's like we're going back to the garden. So every way that humanity is cursed has cursed itself or has been cursed by supernatural powers from the outside is going to be reversed. Friends, that's good news. That in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no estrangement from God. That we will live life and God will be right there with us. I don't know about you. I don't know the season of life you're in. But have you ever been in a season of life that God is so distant from you, so far away from you? You pray and it's like he doesn't hear. Well, friends, in the new heavens and the new earth, the scripture says we will be with God. Revelation says we are moving towards a reunion of heaven and earth. A sacred space. You see, everything the people of God in Scripture long for is coming to fruition in the new heavens and the new earth. When you read Scriptures like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Zechariah, they're all pointing us and promising to us a world that is to come. So, for example, if you've read Revelation chapter and you find out it's just a big cube. And you're like, okay, that's kind of strange. So the new heavens and new earth, we're going to be in this big Rubik's Cube? Like, <laughs> that's going to be odd. But you got to go back, because that's not the first time in Scripture that the temple dimensions are given. So when you read, for example, does anyone know the first time we read of a prophet actually writing out and measuring out temple, directions, temple dimensions? You were here at the first gathering. <laughs> does anyone else know? He knew it before that? All right, good, good job, good job. Ezekiel. So, for example, if you read the prophet Ezekiel, he's writing of God, the glory of God leaving. In fact, that, that was the, the, the challenge of Israel, God's presence. They were in the garden. They were kicked out of the presence of God. They built a tabernacle, the tabernacle, then temple. And then the temple, they were taken into captivity. And so the presence of God had left. When the Babylonian captivity came, the temple was destroyed. And so then if you read in Ezra, they start rebuilding the second temple. You follow history, and in 70 A.D., that temple is destroyed. And so the place where heaven and earth meet, the people of God are longing for it. Where is that place going to be where God and man meet? And so Ezekiel pens a message, and he draws out the dimensions of the temple. John is saying, Ezekiel, your vision is too small. Because the temple that Ezekiel uh, drew was only in Jerusalem. What John draw, draws, he says, the city, the new heavens and the new earth are so big, it occupies the entire known world. Friends, the new heavens and the new earth is going to be huge. There is room for you. There is room for me. Everything you long for will find its ultimate fulfillment in the new heavens and the new earth. Think about what the scripture says, that he, he will wipe away every tear. Is there anyone here who's ever had to shed tears of a painful experience? You said no, you've never. <laughs> Man, it's coming though, I'll tell you that. Wipe away every tear. No pain, no death, no mourning, no crying. Because that is the promise of scriptures that as we're navigating life in the here and now, when we experience pain, sorrow, turmoil, the scripture says a day is coming where that will be done away with. Friends, that is the new heavens and the new earth. 
I don't know what, you, what comes to mind when you begin to think about these. It's going to be absolutely amazing. I think at one point I thought the new heaven, I thought we're just going to heaven and be floating on the clouds. That's not what the scripture teaches. It's going to be, think about it. We, we know that we've glorified bodies, right? We, we, we'll be like in, like, it'll be great. So I don't know about you. I got my wish list, glorified body. So like, Lord, when, when you're like resurrecting this thing, I want an eight pack, right? Because you said no pain. And when I look at my belly, I see pain. So I want this thing to be rock solid. I'm like, I'm going to be walking around in the city like, what's up? I'm just going to be nice. So, and I won't have to work out. He says no pain. So I'll just, I'll just wake up and just be like, wow. So this is going to be cool. So, and think about it, when we get this, these new bodies, we're not going to forget who we are. That would be weird, right? To be in, in, in glory and like not know that that's Tony. That would be weird. Because think about when Jesus, so if that's true, I'd like to suggest to you that that is the truth concerning the new heavens and the new earth. It is the heavens come down to earth. It is life as it was meant to be lived out. Heaven and earth returning to God's original intent. I mean, think about it. I mean, so, so when I'm thinking like, what is Annapolis going to look like when heaven invades? I'm praying no traffic. That'd be like great, right? I'm like, man, if, you, if this thing is going to be like without pain and sorrow. And so friends, the world as we know it will be renovated because he, the heavens have descended new and improved. Look at what John says in Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 3. He says, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. What an amazing picture. What do you see that's like unique about this tree? Did anyone catch it? Twelve fruits, even before that. something. It's on both sides. That's awesome. So, so, so look, what an amazing tree. It's one tree, but it stands on both sides of the river. Picture that. This is, this is where things are going. It's producing fruit for the healing of the nations, undoing the fall. So remember, the nations were scattered in Genesis chapter 11. God is restoring the nations. Trees bearing fruit, water. When I read these words, I can't help but to think of summertime. How many of you like summertime? Yeah, like you like waking up to this cold nonsense? Summertime, what the scriptures are teaching us is that it would be endless summertime. So let me throw that back out to you. What words come when you think summertime? Pool. Someone said pool. Yes. What else? You said what? I didn't say nothing. Oh. I wouldn't say golf. I was hoping you'd say golf. It's going to be me and you on the eight. At the 18th, we will meet, so mark your calendar. In eternity, we're playing golf. What, what, what words come to mind when you think summertime? Vacation. Watermelon. Sunshine. I think of fruitfulness, daylight, with time to, to rest, the time to, to play. Joy. Vacation. Friends, all of these experiences that we have now when we enjoy summer are pointing to us or preparing us what is absolutely amazing. We'll be living up in the promises. No unclean thing will be in there. 
But that's a promise I hold on to as I navigate the challenges of life. For example, he says, there will be no death there. I don't know about you, but I hate death. I hate the fact that I have to stand with others and grieve. I hate the fact that I have to experience that. My wife and I, we attended a funeral on Friday. A dear friend of ours, his mother died. She was in her 80s from Ghana. She came to Ghana in the early 70s, and it was a funeral. And I was sitting there thinking, man, there was a generation of Ghanaians that came to the U.S. in the 60s and the 70s. And that generation is slowly passing away. And my heart grieved. But friends, the scripture tells me that as I trust in God's story, a day will come where that will not be the end. There will be no death. It is heaven on earth. And one of the things I love so much, one of my favorite words found in all scripture is found in Revelation 22, verse 3. So even if you take away the summertime, take away the trees, take away all those things, the hope we have is this. In Revelation 22, 3, it says the lamb will be in it. Friends, that is absolutely good news. That heaven on earth, new heaven, the new heavens invading earth, the reunion of heaven and earth, safe is made true because the lamb is there. So I ask, how is this possible? How is it that God's presence will dwell with humanity? How is it that at the end of this age, what John writes down is that there will be a reunion of heaven and earth? How is it possible? I like to suggest to you that it is possible through God's amazing love. See, some people believe the way to get God to come back, the way to get God to show up in our circumstances, the way to get God to show up in church is to do a lot of good things. That if I do a lot of good things, God is obligated to show up. If I do enough good, it'll make him happy and he'll return. So I do all these things, God can show up. But that's not the story in Scripture. What we see in Scripture is that God shows up because of his amazing love. The Scripture says God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died. Friends, God loves you. That God shows up not because of the things you do. God shows up because it is in his nature to love. Friends, don't believe the lie that you are un loved. Right? Sometimes it's the circumstances we go through and we believe the lie that we are unloved. Or maybe it's people around us that we are forgiven by God. And so think about it. If the new heavens and the new earth, if this reunion of heaven and earth with the presence of God's lamb, with the presence of God, and all these things there, what's your response? How do you respond to that? Do you just say, oh, that's great. Thank you, cool. Can't wait. Look at what John says. Revelation 22, 8 and 9. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and with those who keep the words of the book. Worship God. See, John is so overwhelmed by what he sees that the only thing he could do is to respond in worship. I believe John's desire is that for anyone who hears the words of this book to do the same. Heaven on earth, 
new heavens, new earth, sacred space because of God's love. And so here's what i like to suggest to you. As we, ex- as we experience the love of God, we are then given the opportunity to share the love of God. We share God's love with friends, with neighbors, with family. And when we do that, experience God's love, share God's love, we create that sacred space where heaven and earth meet. And that's an opportunity to worship. That's why we gather. We gather creating sacred space, space together to experience the love of God, to share the love of God, and to worship God. And so in essence, we in many ways experience now what we will know fully at that day. So as you read Revelation and it comes to a close, there is a final invitation. If we're here and we're weary, if we're here and we're on the verge of giving up, The scripture says this in Revelation 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And so, friends, for any of us on the verge of giving up, feeling weary, wondering, can I trust God's story? Can I trust what God is doing? There is an invitation for us, and there is an assurance that as we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And so how do the scriptures close? It closes with this. Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. First, beginning, and the end. He journey. I am coming soon. Amen. And John says, come, Lord Jesus. And if you're wondering, do you stand in a place where you can petition the Lord to come? Do you stand before the Lord and say, can you stand there and say, Lord, come? John says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all. In other words, the means by which we can cry out to the Lord and and, and respond to his invitation is through his grace. Friends, this is a phenomenal book to point us to Jesus and the promises of the world to come. I want to invite the team back up as we uh, round this out. Jesus says, I am coming soon. How do you respond to these words? Do you respond with enthusiasm and say, amen, come Lord quickly? Do you pray this prayer? Do we long for Christ's return? Or are our longings elsewhere? Will we prefer his return to be postponed? As we uh, close out, um, let's gather. I want to give us pause to just consider. Jesus is saying, I'm coming soon. What is your response to him? And I'll pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. Thank you for uh, this amazing book. Thank you for the journey we've been on together as a church family, whereby attention has been drawn to Jesus enthroned. And so, Lord, as we live our lives in the here and now with the various challenges we might face, Lord, I ask that you would give us glimpses of the world to come, the new heavens and the new earth, the Lamb being there and all the promises that are found in Scripture. And may our hearts yearn for your return. May our hearts melt as we consider and see and hear the great things that are to come. And in so doing, may we respond in absolute worship. May we fall on our knees in humble adoration as we say, even so, Lord, come quick. 
And so for those that are going through challenging times, whose nights are filled with tears, pain, mourning, and sorrow, Lord, may you fill our hearts with joy as we look to the future joy that is to come. What a joy it is to be yours, Lord. What a delight to stand on the promises and to trust in your story. We're yours, Lord. Thank you for hearing us. We pray this in Christ's name.